to the Practical Family Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Bryant, and Practical Family exists to help families just like yours to build strong foundations and healthy homes. Welcome back to the podcast, friends. Oh, I'm so excited about today's guest because we are finally going to get to talk a little bit more about homeschooling, but not just that real relationships with our kids. And I've invited Trisha Goyer onto the podcast today because she is just a wealth of information, wisdom, but also she's so down to earth. I just, I loved my conversation with her and I know you're going to love it too. Trisha has been married to her husband for 27 years. They live in Little Rock, Arkansas. They have 10 children, three biological and seven adopted. If you can listen more on her website and to other podcasts about her story, but today I wanted her to come on and help us to understand practical tips for being present in the lives, in the daily lives of our children. It's so easy for us to get overwhelmed with, with taking care of the house, working, just responsibilities, even when it comes to the kids' stuff, you know, their extra activities, their work, and especially if you're homeschooling, their, their academic school life, right? It's easy to get so trapped in that to-do list that we end up making our kids as part of that to-do list instead of really pressing in to be present with them in their day. Now, I'm excited because Trisha is actually not, she's not only a homeschool mom, but she's an author. She's written over 60 books, I want to say, maybe even be more, but she's an author in the historical fiction, nonfiction, contemporary fiction, and Amish fiction genres. Her experience in writing has spanned um, over 20 years and she's done all this as she's homeschooled her children and a lot of her own life experience has come from her family experience. And it's it's amazing because I think that we we can doubt ourselves a lot as mothers, but also if you are that creative type and you and you want to be out there creating or producing or anything that falls within your gift mix that you feel like you're not able to do because you're at home or because you're raising children, I want to challenge you today to just to try to look at it from a different perspective. You know, God's given us the gifts He's given us to be able to use them for his glory, for his kingdom, and especially the children that he's given us. So if we can look at our kids and really see them as as human, I know that sounds silly because why wouldn't we, right? But but it, it gets so easy when we get distracted and caught up in everything else but our family to not give them the attention that they need. And Trisha goes over simple ways to do that. This uh, episode is based on her blog post, 40 Ways to Be Present in Your Child's Day. So we'll link to that blog post, but we'll just give you the main points here as we talk. So enjoy this conversation. Again, this is my talk with Trisha Goyer, author and speaker and homeschool mama of 10. Enjoy. I love being here, Jen. It's so fun that we're able to connect, even though we're across a few miles. Oh, just a few. You're all the way over in Little Rock, right? Yes, uh, I am. What is what is the weather like right now? Oh, it's about 80 degrees, warm, sunny. My kids, I could hear them going in and out and slamming the doors. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You might some door slamming. <laughs> wow, Trisha, you trained them well. Okay, I mean, first of all, I'm just so impressed by you being a homeschool mom of 10 children. 10? Yeah. 
Yes, I'm sure you get this reaction a lot, and I'm sorry. (laughs) I mean, this is coming from a mom who only has two, so you are absolutely my hero in that. But just that um, the kids are able to leave you alone when you need to do your thing. What does that look like over over time? How have you gotten that to work for you? Yeah, you will. I've always worked from with kids at home. I first started writing, I was 22 and pregnant with my third. So I had two little kids and it was always like mommy's writing time. And now those kids are like 28, 25. And then the one I was pregnant with is 23. Um, in fact, it's his birthday we're celebrating tonight. So that's super fun. But I've always had kids at home. And for years, I feel guilty, like this is mom's time or I need you to be quiet for a little bit. But you know, they've the ones that have grown like that, my adult ones, they just love God and are doing so great. I'm like, it's okay. Like it's okay for mom to have her thing. And they see that I'm following God and, and trying to serve him. So, um, you know, my youngest kid now is seven. Um, we have three biological and then we have adopted seven kids. And so the youngest is seven. So they're old enough. I just go like to walk around the house, tell everyone I'm going to be recording. I'll be in my room. I'll be done. And, you know, I'll tell them 30 minutes or an hour, however long I'm going to be uh, mm-hmm. working. And they know I could hear them sometimes. Mom's doing a recording and talking to each other. <laughs> so really, I mean, it is, it's just trained them. Like, you know, I'm, I'm present with them because we're a homeschooling family. I'm present with them pretty much all day long, but there is time when mom needs to go away for a little bit and do a little work and um, they're learning to be okay with that. Mm. See, that is just so important. I hear this a lot from homeschooling families that, that feel so overwhelmed and frustrated and I'm I'm right there with them because it's like okay no matter how many times I say leave me alone <laughs> or like I don't want to yeah. be mean mean mom about it right but mommy needs this time but but I love to hear how other moms set boundaries like that that are just just simple like I need my time you need yours it's time for this it's time for that and not feeling guilty about that right right yeah I think part of that is because um, you know, we have our time when we're all doing Bible study, our time when we're all reading together. So, and you know, our time when we're doing chores together. I mean, there's a lot of like face to face time. And so when there is the time when I need quiet time, they've already kind of had me for a lot of time during the day. Um, so then I think they don't feel so much that um, I'm just ignoring them. And there have been seasons in my life where there have been book deadlines and I've been stressed. And then it's been more of leave me alone type Mm -hmm. of thing, um, which I I hate that feeling. Um, But really, when I feel like I'm kind of meeting their needs, then they just see like, okay, this is mom's time. And, you know, later we already we already went shopping today. We bought strawberries and stuff to do fondue tonight. So they know like we're going to have a fun time later. So, Mm. um, you know, just letting them know like, this is, you know, we're doing fun stuff later. This is mom's time, time for a little bit. And then they're okay with that. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's, and that's the key, isn't it? Is giving some, them something to look forward to, not just taking, taking mom time away from them and saying, nope, you don't get this. Nope, nope, nope. And all they ever hear is no. Instead, you're like, this is a time for that. And then we will do this later. I know my son needs that. He, he needs to know what's happening because it's like, it's the security, right? For them. And that, and I love that, that you've already chosen to give them time so that they're okay when you need yours. I love that. Absolutely. And also, I think it's important, you know, for so many years, I felt guilty if I had to take time, but they've been able to benefit. You know, we've gone on, I've gone on writing trips or research trips where we've all gone and they've got to go on these adventures with me and they see, you know, the books coming in or they'll listen to a podcast. And so they get to kind of see like, look at this is important work. And I'll share like, if I get an amazing story or a letter from a reader. So um, I want my kids to know that when God asks us to do things, it's for a reason, you know, yeah. <laughs> that we there's other 
people out there that are being impacted by it and that they can be a part of that. Um, I think it's important. It's not just like I'm doing this and, you know, you're separate from me, but we're a family and you guys are supporting me in this. So I think that's really important too. Mm, That's wonderful. I love that, Trisha. And that's why I brought you onto the podcast today because not only had I been hearing about your books and, and a lot of homeschooling circles, particularly your historical fiction. Oh my goodness. I mean, the homeschool community that I'm in is classical conversations and, you know, they're all about history and sentences and remembering dates and all of this. And so yes. when we can connect historical figures to to stories, it's it's beautiful. So I've recommended your books to countless people already. It's been oh, great. Awesome. Yes. And I have yes. one set in Hawaii to um, my novel Dawn of a Thousand Nights is set begins at Pearl Harbor. So yeah, I need to look at that. Okay, that's the next one I'm going to pick up. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Okay, so hearing hearing about just the great work that that the Lord has led you to do in this community. And as you homeschool your kids, what we wanted to talk about today was 40 ways to be present in your child's day. And I know you were saying you you've written a blog post on this with all 40 ways listed, and that's wonderful. But let's just hit on just the idea that, that you put forth about how, how do we go about our day and getting the things done that we need to do as moms and not have our children just be another checklist item, right? Mm, yeah. Uh, because I struggle with that sometimes, honestly. I am, I'm such a doer, right? I'm such a Martha. And, and, I, and I love producing things, and I love finding new curriculum and teaching and things like that. That's my personality. So I can get really caught up in getting things done, and I have to force myself sometimes to sit. And as much as I love to read with my kids, I have to schedule it or else my brain doesn't naturally want to do that, right? Because I need a linear pattern. But I don't want that to drive. Like I know that I feel my kids pulling away from me sometimes when they don't really feel like I'm present with them. So Mm. I need help with this too. So what, (laughs) what would you say first from your experience as a mom of children? You have adopted, foster kids, biological kids. What have you seen over time? Absolutely. Well, I think you covered the first thing is that, um, and that's actually the very first point of my blog post is so many times we try to make our kids tasks. So we have the laundry, we have, you know, uh, homeschooling our kids or quiet time with our kids or, you know, and that that becomes something on the to-do list when we, instead of really seeing them as this is hearts that we need to connect with, that we, that we need to disciple and that we need to have that relationship with them. And when I think back just as a child, the times that were super special, with my parents um, were my and my stepdad was super involved, uninvolved. Like he was, mm. he was not present hardly ever. And I can remember, you know, a handful of times when he would sit down. I remember one Christmas I got like a little red tape recorder and he sat down and we made up funny stories like me, my mom, my dad, and my brother made up funny stories as I recorded them on that little tape recorder. And that's like one of the few things where I thought that was such an amazing time. But like, Literally, that was like one of five times when we really connected because, you know, he worked for us and, uh, you know, he, we, he would do the things, but never really, I felt, saw me. And so I think the first thing when it comes to our kids and connecting with their hearts is really seeing them. Um, and it gets so easy as we're focused on our tasks to be focused on our phone or focused on our computer or focused on the dishes. And when they come and talk to us, we're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> and so one of the first things is just turn and look at them. Mm-hmm. Um, look them in the eye. Let them know that you are paying attention to them. 
Um, and I think with my biological kids, this was important. But even as I adopted kids, um, and we adopted older kids, we, we've adopted all the way from age two. Well, we got a newborn too, but then age two, five, 11, 13, 13 and 14 were the ages when the adoptions were finalized. So there were some bigger girls in there that really, like when I wasn't giving them the eye-to-eye contact, they felt pushed aside, neglected, like I didn't really, really want to adopt them. And it, it, mm-hmm. I, I think I did a good job with my biological kids at least stopping and like turning and looking. But with these girls, they wanted me to like sit down with them and like focus on their faces or really mm. listen to them. And and sometimes it's just like, you want to hear what my dream was last night? I'm like, not really. In my mind. Because <laughs> I know this is going to be a five minute conversation. But just doing that and, and, and focusing on that um, made a huge difference. And just giving them that that face-to-face contact and especially today with all the phones and we're always carrying around our phones and Mm. and looking at things it's like I'll tell myself okay be present with the people in the room uh you could think you could connect with those people on Facebook later or you know whatever Mm, right so I think that is really kind of the first step that's so interesting like I'm picturing you with your family right now and then because I only have two okay I so admire um, larger families and and my number one question is how do you make sure everyone gets the attention they need how have you dealt with that for us um because because we homeschool we do get like all the time around the table where where I have all of them together so they are getting that one that I mean that group attention but for one-on-one attention um some things that we do is we take individual kids out to lunch. Um, so my, my husband and I will, you know, he'll have a, a week where he'll pick two kids. And, you know, we go through a schedule so everyone knows whose time it is. Like we always start with the youngest Aww. and they know exactly like who is next in line um, to get that time. Also, like on their birthdays, we do a special dinner with just with that kid, with mom and dad and just one child. And it's so weird. We're like, this is weird. There's only like three of us going <laughs> out right now. This is super strange because we're used to having 11 around the dinner table. Yeah. Because um, my, my grandma lives with us, too. So, you know, there's it's always a big thing but then we'll do like board games I'll, I'll try to get board games with kids um sometimes I'll, I'll read a story just with one kid if they're I see them looking at a book and I'll say hey you want me to read that to you they're like oh wow this is just a one-on-one time so mm. I try to notice like through the day when they need something going on or even like um one night all my kids were out playing and one of the daughters she got in trouble early in the day she so she couldn't go outside and um, that was her consequence and I'm like hey you want to watch a movie and she like looks at me like just me and you <laughs> so oh. I let her pick just, like Garfield what she picked but even though like her discipline was she couldn't go outside I still was able to use that as a time where her and I can connect so it's not just oh. like disciplining them and you know, do something wrong but okay now I could find a way to connect with them Mm-hmm. And um, going through therapy, all my adopted kids have been through trauma therapy because they just had really hard past. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they had us do was just spend five minutes of one-on-one time with a child, really focused on them, listening to them, repeating what they're saying. And you know, usually that, that would lead to maybe 10 minutes. But just saying, okay, this is our time. Tell the other kids we'll be out of the room in 10 minutes and just sitting. You know, a little kid it might be playing with toys. A teenager might just be sitting in my bed and talking. And they even know the therapist said to do this, but they don't care. Like <laughs> they don't care that 
like it has been recommended that we have this time. They're just like, okay, it's my time. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use the time. Um, and even like you can say, hey, you know, give out coupons. This is ten minutes a day with mommy time, and and oh. give them permission to like hand you those coupons and use it. And really, ten minutes. I mean, it, it, I think it's just such a short amount of time, but kids just crave that time with one on one with the parent. Oh, that's beautiful. What I'm hearing is that that one-on-one time, you treat it like a, like a gift. And that when you're always blessing your children with the gift of your time, I mean, on one hand, I can think that, no, I mean, you must give your children your time. If you're not doing that, then you're not being a good mom or something. But but when you, <laughs> there's only one of you, right, first of all. Right. And even if it's just one or two children or 10 or, or however many you have, it's still the intentionality of, I'm acknowledging you and I'm giving you this gift or I'm giving you permission to receive. I think that's just a beautiful um, example of the heart of God too, because we want time or he wants time with us, but we don't always see that, I think. And, and being able to receive even the gift of his love and his attention and let that wash us is beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah, and it could be even t- things that we're already doing. So say I'm making dinner and a you know, kid is there just watching TV. I'm like, hey, you want to come help me make meatloaf? We could just squish up the meat, you know, mm-hmm. or something like that. Like it doesn't even have to be like, I mean, they think it's fun just because they're doing something with you. But I've had, you know, kids come in and help fold clothes. And it's just we talk while we fold clothes. And um, I just try to see like if there's a child around and I'm doing something like how can I do that? And not that I always do it. I mean, sometimes I just need like to listen to a podcast for a while. So <laughs> Yes. I'm not like this, like doing it all the time. But there, you know, I definitely look for times, a couple times a day, to see if there's a child, and I can really focus on. Um, and then also building routines around time with the kids. So you know, so one routine I have with the little kids as I as I put them to bed, uh, I read stories to them. So they know every night we're going to have picture books and we're going to read stories together. And mm-hmm. so that's a time that I'm being present in their day that they they can know that they can expect, that they can look forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we ever want something, we can just create a routine around it. It becomes easier. And, and kids know that they will have that time later. Like even if I'm busy or if I have a meeting that night that I have to run to or something, they know that I will be home later and you know we will do the bedtime routine and they will get that story time with me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. oh that's great that's great yeah that 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 eager expectation again it it this is just huge security for the kids to know what to expect and what's coming and it's it's the worst feeling for me when when I promise the kids something and I can't follow through or I choose not to follow through and then that disappointment on their face like uh and it's usually when I've prioritized other things above, mm-hmm. above them that my time and energy was so focused on things other than them that I, that I couldn't follow through. And that just, God, God slaps me around every time <laughs> that happens, yeah. <laughs> like in big ways, because I don't want to miss their childhood. And I, I want to ask you, Trisha, because this has been something that other moms have dealt with when, when we talk on Practical Family about the mothers feeling overwhelmed and, and they want just practical tips to like, just make life simpler, right? I find that they think that Everything depends on them, so they have to be the one to get everything done. And, and I have felt like this, too. And I imagine that when you have more kids around, it's directing and teaching and guiding and raising up and all that. But how have you been able to involve the kids in, in your daily tasks, just like taking care of the house or getting stuff done so that you don't feel like it all weighs on you? 
Yeah. And I, I think there's like a two part uh, thing to that. First of all, the more kids I've added on, I've realized like not everything's going to get done in a day. <laughs> like mm. just being, and I kind of give myself grace and um, really accepting God's grace in that. So, you know, the more kids we have, I'm, I'm never, uh, maybe once a month, I might completely caught up in laundry. I mean, like, honestly, <laughs> there's yeah. always piles. And I remember one day, especially after we had four girls moving at, at the same time. Um, so we went from, you know, uh, six kids to 10 kids like overnight. And I mean, I could never get on top of the laundry. And I felt God saying like, I love you just as much if there's pile of laundry there, like you took my kids into your home, like it's okay, you know, and just being a mom, he's like, you're caring for my kids. It's okay. So just giving ourselves grace is the first thing I wanted to say. But also mm-hmm. I um, have become like really good at creating routines and giving them expectations and then also rewards. So we've been talking about this a lot. So really that, you know, with our kids, um, they all have chore charts. Cool. And so I created, um, you know, has has on their Sunday through Friday, and I printed them up, and then they're laminated, and they're up on the wall, um, in our hallway by our pantry, and they know. Um, in fact, I could hear one of our, my daughters, and they're doing the dishes right now. So, like our three oldest ones, they have, um, they're. 18, 15, and 15. And so they have kind of like the dishes, um, cleaning the bathroom and cleaning the living room. So the, the kitchen, basically kitchen, living room, and bathroom. And they rotate the three of them through the week. One of them has the kitchen, one has the living room, one has the kids' bathroom. They they share one bathroom. Um, and that's their chore for the day. They have to they have to go sometime during the day. And, and I don't like say it has to be done at a certain time, but just sometime during the day, they have to go and make that area clean. Mm. And so they're washing the dishes and sweeping the floor. And so at least once during the day, that area is clean. The younger kids, um, they, they have some of the other bathrooms. Um, and one of my daughters does all the sweeping in the dining room and the front hall. So this is just the routines that I have set up. And no one argues with me because it's on the chart. Like, they know this is my day. <laughs> this is what I have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have dinner helpers, like I mentioned before. I'll just pull kids, and that's not, like, regulated as much, but I try to get people to help me. Um, we have kids that set the table, so it makes it so much easier when everyone is doing their part. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, like I said, sometimes during the day, different parts of the house are clean at different times, but that's okay. <laughs> and usually by the time everyone goes to bed, it's not quite as clean anymore. But I knew I know that sometime tomorrow – Sometime during the day, the area will be clean again. And, you know, just with with the kids, I think I was a stressed out mom, like had to have everything clean with the first three. And I've just had to relax so much (laughs) and just realize it's it's more about them than it is having a clean house all the time. Oh, amen. Amen. So speak, speak to the mom right now who's maybe thinking... Well, that's great that all your kids are so compliant. I, I have to get after my kids <laughs> multiple times to get them to do stuff. What what does that discipline look like as you're training, especially the young younger kids, to be a participating part of the family and and follow through? And I mean, they look at you and they look at the chore chart. And do you, do you have them ever be defiant about that? And how do you handle that? Yeah, you know, and we do reward them. So we pay for chores. Well, we pay for working as a part of a team. So it's not like they get paid each day for doing the dishes. Right. But at the end of the week, they we have a little app on our phone that, that gives them money. Uh, I think like, I don't think they get about a dollar, something close to it. So maybe my eight-year-old might get $6 a week or something. Mm-hmm. So we will mm-hmm. say, oh, you didn't do your work today. Do you want to do that? Or do you want me to just take it out of your 
money for the week. And we, oh. and to them, a dollar is a candy bar or a dollar is <laughs> a jump rope. My daughter, we just went to the dollar store today and she picked out a jump rope. So, mm. you know, she's thinking, oh yeah, don't take my dollar off. <laughs> that's, that's something tangible. Yeah. Um, and so we do do that. But also um, they know like they can't um, turn on TV or get on their electronics until their chores are done. So mm. okay. if I catch them, on uh, like on their tablets especially like the older teen girls will be on kindle or be on facebook or something like that um i'll say oh your chores aren't done i guess i'm gonna keep this till tomorrow and i will take away their electronic Mm -hmm. till the next day and it's just you have to like stick to it like that's the rule (laughs) and once they realize like okay that's not fun (laughs) i'm Mm -hmm. not gonna have my tablet for the rest of the day Mm -hmm. um then then i find that they will well they will be willing to do those things um but also pr- just praising like when I, when I say hey great job I didn't even have to remind you to do your chore mm. um you just came in here and did it yourself and the more I praise when they do do good things like that then they're they're more willing um oh. but and then we've really grown I mean when they first came in there was just a lot of a lot more defiance and a lot more rebellion and the more they've seen, okay, consequences aren't fun. And I really like when mom praises me, um, mm-hmm. you know, right before we got on, I just told one of my daughters like, Hey, can you go remind your sister? She hasn't done the kitchen yet. And so that's, that's all it took. Mm-hmm. And she came down and, and just did it. So over time, it's not like it was overnight, but over time, <laughs> I think with the praise and then with the reward of the allowance and not having fun consequences that they realized like, I'm just going to do my chore and not argue. Amen. They know when the good is coming. And that's so life-giving, isn't it? When we praise, I think I heard it said that if we praise uh, twice, or is it twice as much or ten, 10 times as much as we discipline, then it's 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 more life-giving. People are more more responsive to that than, yeah. than always having the, to come down on them. And I felt like that more when I was so stressed out and focused on everything else but my kids, like when I was working full-time and when I first came home was trying to figure out this at-home routine. I, I I got more angry when they wouldn't do what I wanted right away. And that's just so, mm-hmm. so unrealistic because, first of all, I wasn't being present with them, right? And so when we talk about how to be present, it's like, seriously, everything else that is not about your kids comes last, comes second to, to their presence in your life right now. Anything else that you want to say, Tricia, that you've learned about being present? Yeah, and I think another thing is um, that I just want to throw in is just the physical touch. Mm. Um, it's so important for kids like offering a hug when like the first time I see them there today I'll like hey come give me a hug or um, you know if we're just sitting there like rub their back or rub their shoulder or say hey you could scoot closer and lean against me when we're watching a show together or something just just knowing how much that physical touch means um, or hey you want to sit on my lap when we read this story and so even my seven uh, eight and a 10 year olds will climb on my lap when I'm reading that this is the time we have now to yeah. have that with the kids and um, you know now that my my older kids are 28 25 and 23 and my two boys live close the 28 23 year old my daughter is 25 and she lives uh, in the Czech Republic she's a missionary there so mm-hmm. I don't get to see her as much but even my boys when they come over the first thing to do is I mean, when they come to our house, they'll come in the kitchen and give me a hug or wherever I am. They'll come mm. and find me and give me a hug. And so I think that physical connection, too, is so important. Um, even as they get older, it may seem awkward, like, to give your kid a hug or to rub their <laughs> shoulders or anything. But they really do enjoy that physical touch. It, it encourages closeness for sure. Oh, that's so great. Now, uh, one more question, Tricia. The, what, what came up for me as I'm listening to you talk about 
developing that that trust, especially with adoptive kids, especially with older adoptive kids that are, you know, you're trying to, to earn their trust a lot at the beginning. Have you set up like a, an understanding with them or do you tell them like, okay, if you are having a hard time or if you're upset about something or you need to talk, this is how you let me know. Or, or how do you kind of establish that, that openness so that they can come to you whenever? Yeah, it's, it's come slowly. Like it hasn't been overnight. And I think, um, even cause we, uh, with the older kids, we adopted four at once. So they would have like family meetings, like so something mm. would be going on or like, we're having a family meeting, but to them, it'd be the four of them. Cause they were the family, mm. um, which we haven't seen that in years and years. And so, you know, it, it came from, first of all, just being available when they want to talk. So usually that was, um, when right before bedtime. So this is like the time I'm completely exhausted and we're sitting around the living room. We'll have just watched a show or done something with them, watch funny YouTube videos or something. And then all of a sudden, like I'm like okay time for bed and then they'll say well something happened blah 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 with a neighbor or you know someone said this or and you know I want to say we could talk about this tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) it always happens right before bed why (laughs) yeah I know and I think they're finally like oh this is my last chance to finally like talk about this thing that maybe Mm -hmm. they've been thinking about my husband's actually a lot better at this than me he'll just sit there for like an hour and let them talk about whatever I'm like half falling asleep (laughs) on the couch (laughs) those those times when they do want to talk just be willing to um talk about things but also when they've gotten in trouble or they've got caught doing something they're not supposed to I think they've really just seen how we handle things and Mm -hmm. that well let's talk about this like why did you feel you had to do that Mm -hmm. or why did you feel you had to hide that from me and you know at the beginning I mean because they had been moved around so much in foster care and they had a failed adoption they were just sort of like after they did this bad thing that we were going to kick them out. And so first of all, they weren't, they were shocked that we weren't like screaming and yelling and saying, pack your things. We're going to take you back. But second of all, like, wait, you want to talk about this? Um, And so I think over time they would, they just got more realized like, okay, we could talk about this. And, um, and it might not even be right away. Sometimes it might take them a day or two and realize that that's okay too. Like when you're ready, let's talk about why you made that decision mm-hmm. and you still get your consequence, but you know, we are here to help you. And I'll say all the time, like, I am here to help you. I'm here to help raise you to be a wonderful giving kind adult. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got to show you like, there's that this is a, there's a reason why I don't want you to watch those things or read those things or say those things. Um, and I, you know, I'm willing to talk about it. And the more I just let them know that I'm available. Um, also I'm, I'm willing to share my mistakes. I mean, I was a teen mom. Mm. Um, I made, you know, I was sexually active as a teenager. And so I will say like, well, you mean to share what I, and they're like, I know mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh yeah. <laughs> Them saying, well, my mom, blah, blah, blah. So I know they're listening. <laughs> but, you know, the people I'm willing to, like, say, like, I don't have a perfect either. And I've made a ton of mistakes. And then mm-hmm. when I do make mistakes, I mean, there are times I do raise my voice or I do yell or I do something to, to go and apologize to them. Like, that was totally unfair of me. I was just overwhelmed with a work, you know, meeting that I just had. And I yelled at you because you hadn't done your chore or something. I'm like, that was not, mm-hmm. you know, I should not have taken that out on you. And then if I'm willing to, like, go and talk to them and explain kind of, what was going on in my world and why I was acting that way, then they, I feel they feel like they can come and talk to me with, when share what's going on in their world. Oh, absolutely. And, and isn't that incredible how vulnerability breeds vulnerability, like honesty, openness, 
it's like I, I know a lot have have grown up in homes where their parents were so secretive about even arguments and faults and things like that. And, and you just don't admit faults to your children because you need to be right. strong for them. And, and that's just so not true. They need to see us as human. They need to see us as fallible. And I know the times when I put myself low and go to my son, or my, it's mostly my son because he mostly is the one that I, I'm like yelling at, right? Yeah. Um, I, honey, I, I shouldn't have handled it that way. This is why. And he is always, I, I see his little heart opening up more and more. And even when he does get in trouble, he is willing to say it and like admit himself. And, and I love that. And I just have to praise him for that. I love that you come to me, honey. Thank you for telling me the truth. Because yeah. I would much rather you do that than feel like I need to punish you or something like that, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, before we go, Trish, I just wanted to speak to you as, as, a, as a writer, as an author, because we have other um, mommy bloggers and podcasters that follow us, too. And, and I just love that you include on your website tips for writers, that you're there. You're right there alongside us, helping new writers um, understand the process and all that. And I definitely use your website as a resource. Can I just ask you, when, how, did, how did your writing journey develop and and then finding time like literally finding time to write when you're raising a family yeah absolutely well I grew up loving to read so um and I grew up in a non-reading home like there was not books around my home but Mm. when I was in the sixth grade we moved to a house that was really close to the library and I was there like all the time like every summer when the kids other kids were out playing I was like at the library checking out books helping them shelve books so I just found this like love when I was you know sixth seventh eighth grade would read all the time um and then after um I had kids and got married and I was the stay-at-home mom I actually had a friend at church um that said I'm working on a Christian novel and I'm like oh Real people do that. And mm. so we would talk about writing and we attended our first uh, Mount Hermon Christian Writers Conference together. But right from the beginning, I had little kids and usually it was like during nap time where I'd wake up before them. And so trying to, I mean, when there's little kids, they're just like, they need you all the time, all the time. Mm-hmm. Like you can't, you know, it's not easy to like to tell your baby, like, I can't come to you right now. Yeah. Um, and so really it was during the, you know, before they got up or during nap time or um, when they went to bed. And then those were kind of my growing years. I wrote and sent stuff out. And this is in the day when you actually like mailed it to a magazine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is in the the 90s. Now it's just like emails up and over. Um, But I would send stuff out and get a lot of rejection. So I feel like I was really growing as I had little kids at home. And then when I started to get stuff published, they were a little bit older. Um, But there would literally, literally be times when they were in the room and I was like interviewing someone for an article or I'd put like my five-year-old in the bathtub with toys and it's so funny I'd listen back to the interview later that I was doing over the phone and like you could totally hear my son like playing battleship (laughs) (laughs) do what you gotta do professional getting this like talking to this expert and whatever but it really was just like okay this is for the next hour and I'd always like let them know this is going to be for the next hour I'm going to be working on this or Mm -hmm. uh, and then again like we talked earlier then then we'll be able to walk to the park or we'll be able to do something to let them know like this is time but they got to be good about uh, entertaining themselves and knowing like it's okay you know mom's going to work for a little bit and I'll I'll tell them you know other people go away to jobs and they work like in an office or at a restaurant and they're gone from their kids like all day long mm-hmm. and I get a right from home but I, I 
need time to work. And, you know, there'll be times, well, they want to go to the park now. And I'm like, no, we're going to have to wait a little bit. So just let them know, like, mommy does have a job and I am working here. Um, And and let them know, but later we can do this or that and the other thing. Um, And really, it's just been being diligent about taking that time every day. And, you know, I think sometimes as stay-at-home moms or work-at-home moms or work-outside-the-house moms, we think, okay, on Saturday, like, I'm going to take four hours. And that that usually doesn't work because usually that time gets taken up by something else. Yeah. So I found when I was diligent to spend an hour or two hours daily on something, like, that really adds up. At the end of the year, there's, like, something substantial that can be built on that. And then when I started getting book contracts, it was, you know, my husband would take him out to Taco Bell so I could write for a couple hours. Or <laughs> we, we really had to, like, find creative ways to get that time. And then even for years, um, when we I, when I adopted three little kids, um, so we had, like, three little toddlers, five and under, I would hire a babysitter for like two to three hours a day. Because mm-hmm. um, I had, you know, major book deadlines that I had to get done. And so they would come in in the afternoon for two to three hours and take the kids to the park or do different stuff with them. Um, and I was just able to do that. So it's been a variety of things over the years. But mm-hmm. it, you know, I think we can be more creative and make it a priority. And there'll be times when I'll sit down and like, I have dishes in the sink. I have clothes piled up. There's mail that's been sitting there for a month and just kind of you have to push that stuff out of your mind because mm-hmm. nothing's going to get done. Like if we wait till our to-do list is done, mm-hmm. we will never get the time to sit down and be creative and write and podcast or all the things. Um, you just have to make that a priority. And it's been cool to see just my career has grown as my kids have grown. And they've, like I said before, they, they've got to experience some really cool trips and things with me. So they benefit definitely too. I love that, that, that heart of yours, Tricia, is so um, connected with where I feel like God has led me even through Practical Family, because I wouldn't have started something like this if I hadn't left the job in order to be home with my kids. And I thought, well, if I'm going to write about anything, it's going to be about family. Right. <laughs> and, and I, it, you know, you find that the more that you teach something, the, the more you're learning how to do it better yourself. And, and that's what I've learned too, as a blogger, I've only been doing it a few years now, but that diligence and that and choosing to focus on on the small pieces of time that you get and to make the most of the small pieces of time and not let it drag out for days and and get distracted by multiple projects i've had to really really focus in on on the most important projects like the podcast or developing one series and not having like a hundred blog post ideas and focusing on all of them. It just doesn't work. You get nothing done. Right. And, and yeah, the, the household chores will, will always be there. But for right now, what is God calling me to right now? And just, just hammering it out real quick. And having my my free time as a reward, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and I think that, that so. you've made that thing like that's a really good point. Like right, uh, hammering out real quick, and I think that's actually benefited me because mm. I've had like, okay, I got an hour. I have to like yep. write this blog post or mm-hmm. write a thousand words in this novel that I'm writing. Or and I, and I have friends who I had one friend. She had her kids were out of the house. She had a home office. She had an outside office, and she still like 
had a hard time writing. <laughs> and I'm like, she's like, how do you get so much done? And I said, I only have an hour or two, you know, and yeah. I have to like sit down and this is my window. And so I think sometimes it has benefited me because I don't like play solitaire or rearrange my bookshelf or <laughs> like all these other things that can suck away time. Yeah. Um, it's like, okay, I have an hour. I have to like sit down and write this really, really quick. And I was just looking, I'm, I'm getting a new website. We're in the middle of processing it. And I think we have like, almost 4,000 blog posts. And I'm like, how in the world did I get 4,000 <laughs> blog posts? Like, and, and some are guest blog posts. I'd say maybe, you know, a quarter. I don't know. Cause I, I love having guest blogs. So if you ever want to have a guest blog on my post, Yay. but um, yeah, but so, but I'm like, that's just that. Okay. I'm going to, I have an idea. Let me just sit down in the next 30 minutes to an hour and get this out there. And really those little bits of time do add up. Right. Yeah. And practice makes perfect. I, I always go back to the quote, necessity is the mother of invention. If you crunch your time in, and limit yourself in a good way, again, boundaries, right? We go back to like healthy boundaries, uh, limiting ourselves as creatives, as communicators. It's important. And you know what I found is that that has helped me even in my parenting too, because um, we don't have all day to, to spend on things. Yeah. But, but the more intentional I am in the moment, like with my kids, they feel that and they get all of me right then because I'm only focused on them. And absolutely, it's, it works. It, it's a formula for success, at least most mm. of the time. <laughs> well, oh, well, thank you so much, Trisha. It's just been an absolute pleasure chatting with you about all of the life experience and wisdom. And I know that we're all growing, but thank you for sharing that success with us. And you also have your own podcast called Walk It Out. And and I, I just got done listening to your last episode with um, Andy Wilson. And just so inspiring because you're bringing on people who are inspiring others by walking out their faith as well. Yeah, and I love it. I did a radio show for a couple of years. Um, and then it just got to be too much when we started adopting more kids. So oh. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm, you know, back down. I have like 15 episodes or something. Um, and so it's fun to get back in it. And, and that's almost another thing that feeds me because I love talking to inspiring people. So yes, like I, I even get filled up just talking to you today. So oh, it is. That's yeah. another reason, you know, just to take those times because it does like for creatives, this kind of stuff does fuel us and, yes, um, absolutely. you know, makes us be happier, better parents. So it absolutely <laughs> it's important. does. So fun. You've been listening to my conversation with Trisha Goyer, author, speaker, homeschooling mother of 10, and just all around inspiring woman. I am so glad that she got the chance to share about her writing journey and her process as she's raising a family that she still has the freedom to write books and produce podcasts and use her creativity for the glory of God and to bless other families. If you want to learn more about what Trisha Goyer does and new books that she has coming out, visit her website, trishagoyer.com. That'll be available in the show notes. And don't forget to check out one of my favorite books that she's written is called Walk It Out, The Radical Result of Living God's Word One Step at a Time. Thank you for listening in on the Practical Family Podcast, and I encourage you to look at our homeschool resources at practicalfamily.org. As I said in the show, our family follows the community for classical conversations. That's just one set of curriculum uh, among many that homeschoolers have out there. I know Trisha uses Sunlight. You can also click on that link in our show notes. And I've also provided her video 
where she has unboxed uh, her sunlight curriculum for next year. So you'll get to kind of check out what that's about. And then I have videos as well for classical conversations. If you're interested at all in what homeschooling families do, uh, different pieces of curriculum and even examples of schedules, it's all there on practicalfamily.org. I just thank you for being a part of this community. If you want to check us out on Facebook, we're there. We're on Instagram, Pinterest, and Twitter. And be sure to share this episode with friends that you think will benefit. Thank you for listening to the Practical Family Podcast, where we are here to encourage your family to build strong foundations and healthy homes. <laughs>